This episode of the Proceedings Podcast is brought to you by GE Additive. Additive manufacturing, also known as 3D printing, is a transformative approach to industrial metal production that could help address material shortages due to diminishing manufacturing supply. GE Additive provides machines, metal powders, engineering, and print services that can support the Navy with spare part printing capability and a more flexible spare parts supply base. Welcome to the Proceedings Podcast. I'm Ward Carroll, Naval Institute Director of Outreach and Marketing. Joining me is my co-host, Bill Hamlet, the Editor-in-Chief of Proceedings Magazine. Hello, Bill. From my remote location to yours, how's it going over there in Northern Virginia? Yeah, it's a beautiful sunny day in Northern Virginia, but it's certainly quiet. Yeah, these are weird times, as we've described on uh, you know the last four or five episodes, but we're making do, as you've coined... It's not business as usual, but the Naval Institute is open for business, and podcast is a great manifestation of that. We've had some great guests, and we will continue to have multiple episodes per week, uh, so our listeners uh, can look forward to that. Yeah, and it's been interesting. The last couple of, uh, of days, we've had a number of proceedings authors uh, chime in, send us different pieces uh, that pertain to what's happening across the sea services with the coronavirus we had a great piece coming to us by uh, Sal Mercagliano, one of our experts on uh, merchant ship and the, the uh, merchant marine. He wrote a piece that we'll publish in a couple of days uh, about the hospital ships. And so the comfort and the mercy have been front and center in the national news as they have steamed up to both uh, Los Angeles and to New York uh, to provide hospital assistance up in, in those two metropolitan areas. And uh, Sal points out that uh, Mercy and Comfort, which look like beautiful new ships when you see them on the news, very white, pristine-looking ships, they're 44 years old. They were built, what, during the Reagan administration or before the Reagan administration during the Cold War. And uh, they both have obsolete steam uh, engineering plants, which are hard to maintain. And so it's a great capability to have uh, in peace and war. Uh, but the Navy and the, and the nation probably need to reinvest in that capability, uh, not to keep those two ships going, but to, to develop some new hospital ships in the coming years. So look for that piece, uh, Proceedings Online, coming early next week. We also had Holly Harrison, former ed- editorial board chairman, Coast Guard captain, uh, who is now the CEO of the U.S. Coast Guard Cutter Kimball, home ported in uh, Honolulu. And she and her crew have been getting that newest, one of the newest Coast Guard cutters uh, up to speed and up and running, ready for operational tasking. Uh, at the same time, they're balancing training and readiness and uh, social distancing and the coronavirus uh, prevent, preventive measures. And so, uh, you know, interesting to hear from Holly. She loves her tour of duty out there in Hawaii. She's living the, the dream as a Coast Guard cutter captain uh, of a ship based in, in Hawaii. Uh, but very much trying to figure out what's going on now uh, as they balance those you know, multiple conflicting different things that are uh, facing not just uh, her ship, but all of the ships in the Coast Guard and the Navy as well. As we've seen with the Theodore Roosevelt uh, right now in port in Guam with over 100 reported cases of, uh, of the coronavirus. So uh, we certainly li- are living in interesting times. Yeah, Holly's uh, our hero, a, a fantastic Coast Guard leader. And as you've mentioned, always has a sanguine outlook, even with the most challenging circumstances. And that came through in spades in that piece 
that you just submitted. And as you've also said, or we've said before on the show, we'll hesitate to do current events because it's life is moving so fast these days. By the time we make the show live, it'll be OBE. But we will entreat the audience to check out USNI News uh, on a regular and persistent basis. If you do not get the USNI News daily newsletter, recommend you uh, subscribe to that. Just also say that the USNI News team had a record month traffic-wise in March because they are covering the beat like no other organization. And so congratulations to those folks. And again, if you want to stay informed with how the sea services are being affected by this pandemic, recommend you check out USNI News. It's been interesting to see over the last week, as, as a lot of people are writing about and trying to figure out across the Navy and the, and the Coast Guard, how do you do maintenance ab- aboard a ship? How do you keep a ship uh, up and operating? It's a complex environment in the simplest times, uh, certainly made much harder right now by the, the efforts to try to social distance between crew members. Uh, and so you've got ships that are out at sea, you've got ships that are pulling in and out of port, uh, they're trying to do maintenance, they've got uh, tech reps and contractors coming on board to do that much required maintenance. Uh, and so it was interesting to us to watch over the weekend, you know, a couple of days ago, this article from August of 2016. So a four-year, almost four-year-old article uh, written by Captain John Cordell, who was the proceedings author of the year in 2018. Uh, and the article is called Go to 27 Section Duty. And it was one uh, uh, an article about one ship's innovative approach to import manpower during a long maintenance availability sustained high standards while greatly improving performance and morale. So John Cordell joins us on the phone from uh, Norfolk, Virginia Beach, uh, Virginia today. Uh, John, great to have you on the show again. All right. Thank you. Happy to be here. So John, tell us about this article from 2016 about uh, how the USS Gettysburg, they essentially switched how they did manning and and maintenance in port during a long uh, availability period. How did, how did it work? To be honest, the story starts a lot sooner. Um, in, uh, in 2013, you published an article by myself and Dr. Anita Shattuck called uh, I think A Sea Change in Standing Watch about crew endurance and circadian watch rotations and, uh, and a way to sort of get the most productivity out of the crew just by sort of rearranging the workday. That was sort of the foundation of uh, the thought process that led to this article. And, uh, and as you know, that's in practice underway on our ships right now. And I'll come back to that, I think, later on, because it turns out there's actually a connection between fatigue and immunity. Um, and so uh, so sometimes the stuff you do for one reason works out. So we wrote that article. Um, it got some good traction. A lot of ships started doing it. And, uh, and it was very much viewed as an underway deployment type of approach. And, uh, and then I forget exactly what cued me in um, to Admiral Cooper's, then Captain Cooper's uh, brief that he gave to Surfland back uh, many years ago on what he had done in Gettysburg. But it sort of hit me in the face. Uh, my first two thoughts were, wow, um, why didn't I think of that? This is the same principle applied ashore. And so um, my working title for the article was The Sea Change Moves Ashore. Um, and uh, But I think the 27, 27 section of duty really caught people's eye. And so that was sort of the genesis of it is, an epiphany that uh, this crew endurance concept is not just apply when you pull in all lines to get underway. 
So, John, describe for uh, just briefly, what, what does 27 section watch duty look like and how is it different from what had been maybe considered the standard import watch uh, for a surface combatant? So essentially, um, the normal routine for a ship import, uh, especially in a maintenance period, is typically, I think most ships settle out into about six sections. Um, so if you're not a surface warfare type, um, you divide the crew into six sections. Uh, you work Monday through Friday, but but every six days you spend the night on the ship for 24 hours, whether it's Monday night if you're Section 1 uh, or Section 6, might be all day Sunday and spend the night. But you're essentially spending a night on the ship one day in six. And that's pretty much every ship in the Navy since I've been around, maybe three section, maybe four section. Um, and nowadays, I think most folks have settled out to six. Sometimes you collapse a little bit because of the workload, but six is kind of about the best you're going to get. Uh, I think over the years. So one night and six, you're on the ship. The other thing is um, when you finish that duty day, you are wiped out. You have spent 24 hours. You might get four hours of sleep. Um, and uh, and you've stood watch. You've done maintenance. And, uh, and you just kind of either collapse in a heap or you get back up and go to work the next day um, in that condition. And so uh, so that's kind of the normal way. Um, Cooper said, um, Admiral Cooper said, well, I don't want to do that. Um, I want to try something else. And so what he did he split his group into eight sections, um, and uh, and each section was a self-contained duty section with everything that everybody else has, force protection and damage control, um, except that the way he divided up the workday was different. You almost need a whiteboard to draw this out, but I'll try. Essentially, you have uh, 80% of the crew is in what's called day staff, and they stand almost a traditional duty type day, except that their workday on the week, Monday through Friday, is just Monday through Friday, 7 o'clock until about 1600. Um, when their day rolls around, um, then they spend one night on the ship on the weekends in a traditional duty rotation. Um, if the other two, so the other two sections are what's called a swing shift and a night shift. So let's say that, uh, for, for argument's sake, there's three of us here. Bill, you are uh, the day staff. I'm swings and, and ward your mids. Bill, your work week is uh, Monday through Friday. Uh, seven to 1600. Um, and then every three weekends, uh, you spend one night on the ship. So every 27 days, you spend one night on the ship. I'm swings. I come in Monday at 1600. I get off at midnight. Um, I work that, that shift Monday through Friday. I go home Friday night, uh, and I come back Monday afternoon. So I never spend the night on the ship. Ward, your mids, you come in at midnight, Monday night, you work until eight in the morning. You do that Monday through Friday. And when you get off Saturday morning, you go home and you don't come back until Monday night. Um, again, never spending the night on a ship. Yeah, I'm not a night person, John. Can I have day check? Um, <laughs> uh, you know, great question. Um, it turned out that one of the things that Brad had to do was figure out what's the best, you know, uh, fit for these different shifts. Um, as I recall, he had more people volunteer for the swings and the night shift than, than he had room for. They had daycare. They had school. They had kids. Um, their, their spouse had a job that was second shift. So um, it wasn't like he forced people uh, into a thing they didn't, you know, a, a rotation they didn't want to do. Um, but it was also about, you know, hey, what's best for everybody? Um, no one was off the watch build except the Captain XO and CMC. And uh, and so they all they really did was just rearrange the way they applied their manpower. But what that did was, you know, if you were on the ship, you were working. And so uh, and in a shipyard period, as you know, most of the shipyard work goes on during the day, and you're kind of stepping on each other. Um, so now he had a shift on at swings and nights, 
to do their own work, like plan maintenance or, or repairs, training. Um, and then he had a group all the time. If the shipyard needed access to a space or a tag out, they're not waking somebody up. You know, the other piece where I think this, uh, you know, it might have been nice to have had this rotation. You look at shipboard fires that we've had, Oscar um, Austin, some of the others. Uh, you know, this type of application could uh, could help the shipyards be a safer environment 24-7 um, if with hot work and things like that. So those were the things that Brad put in place um, to for this uh, for this project. You started off, John, by saying that um, that there are positive things that come from this that also have a positive impact on health and safety. So one of those you already touched on a bit was sleep. So crew members get a little more rest. They, they spend, um, instead of spending one night on the ship every six days and being exhausted, kind of working more than a 24 hour uh, period, um, their, their time on board the ship is, and explain this a little bit more one, one night in every 27 days, uh, but then you also said for the coronavirus, this is directly applicable to how you do some social distancing on board the ship. Okay. So um, one more thought before I get to that um, is that, uh, and, and, and I think Mr. Cooper, I also spoke to one of his department heads, uh, Jimmy Drennan was ops who had to do the work for this, uh, and a division officer, Jessica Bloodworth, who shared sort of their background. Um, and just two points that they made. Um, Jimmy said, hey, this was a lot of work, right? We started on deployment making sure that people were assigned the right qualifications. Obviously, the long pull was damage control and force protection. So this was a six-month project to set up for this. This wasn't like, oh, let's just try it. This was a plan. Um, and uh, the second thing was, it turns out Jessica was a divo division officer. She was the barge division officer. Um, they didn't have enough racks on the barge to keep the crew members that they had to give them a place to sleep. So they had to come up with something innovative. Um, to minimize the people sleeping on the ship. So sometimes necessity is the mother of invention. And uh, I, I didn't know that until she and I talked this week. So, um, But both of them said uh, once they overcame some institutional resistance, uh, largely the CPO mess, and, uh, and got past the, you know, we've never done it this way, it was like opening up into a new world where work got done, people were rested. Uh, you know, if you look at some of the stats, uh, they finished the availability on time. They had all their schools done halfway through the availability. Um, they had no uh, destructive behavior events for this time, which actually, you know, maintenance periods tend to, to have an uptick in that sometimes. Um, and uh, and so, you know, they really sort of felt like this was a this was not an exercise in coddling the crew. This was an exercise in getting the most productivity out of the crew. Um and, uh, and so that's what, the, that's what this was about. The ship also won the SECNAV uh, Maintenance Award. Uh, they finished the avail on time, which was kind of a rare event and still is. Um, so, you know, the, the good things just keep coming out of this, uh, primary and secondary effects. Have other ships adopted this? Uh, no. Some have tried. Um, I often hear, the first comment I hear is, uh, well, that was Admiral Cooper, right? It, yeah, all of the future surf lance uh, could pull this off, but nobody else could. I think he'd be the first to tell you, and both Jessica and uh, uh, Jimmy told me the same thing. That is not the case. Um, he just happened to think of it, and he had the, the fortitude to force it on, you know, to force uh, and positively lead his crew through it. But he laid down a template. Um, I can't answer the question of why no one else has done it. I think uh, it kind of goes back to some of the things that we're learning now and to the COVID discussion is sometimes you don't know what you can do until you have to do it. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we talk about risk, we talk about, uh, change, 
Um, and, uh, you know, I've written enough about this uh, culturally that, uh, that this institution that we all love, that those are two words that sometimes don't resonate. So, you know, that's kind of my take on it. That was the conglomerated opinion between myself, the Divo, and the department head who were there at the time. So, John, the article was originally published, as Bill mentioned at the outset, in August of 2016. As we all know, the following summer was a dubious one because of the collisions of McCain and Fitzgerald. Some of the takeaways were discussions about crew rest, circadian rhythms. I know this is mostly talking about maintenance availabilities, but are there any takeaways that might be uh, germane to the uh, at-sea environment? Well, I think for the circadian one, um, if you get more than seven hours of sleep, you have a 15% chance of, uh, of contracting a virus or a cold. Uh, if you get less than five hours sleep, that, that uh, immunity uh, drops, uh, you have a 45% chance. So your immunity drops significantly when you go from seven hours sleep to five hours. Um, the good news is um, long before COVID was a word, uh, the surface force adopted a crew endurance policy that mandates um, some combination that, that equals seven hours. Um, now, is everybody able to do that? No. Um, but every single ship that I talk to says that the circadian watch bill, I just got a note today from a captain, is uh, is successful in, in increasing sailor endurance. And uh, and now you can kind of correlate that to their immunity. Um, so, uh, you know, unintended consequences uh, sometimes work out. Um, but to continue with the COVID idea, so I, I don't know if this particular rotation is the right one. Uh, this is more the mindset of how do I achieve the COVID restrictions and still meet the mission? Um, six feet apart, uh, you know, I'd like to have less people sleeping and birthing. Um, you know, I can't imagine. I, I sit here, I, I got to tell you guys, uh, um, I am both proud and happy that I'm able to spend every night at home with my spouse. Um, but I, I still have a twang of guilt when I think about those shipboard folks um, living in a birthing with 30 of their best friends, two feet apart. Um, I mean, eating, training, uh, how, how do you do that? Now, on the ship underway with the circadian watch build, you know, you have a locked rotation. Um, so you maybe have a, a little bit of opportunity to, to leverage some of those things, right? Um, in port, uh, so what would happen, uh, and there's many ways to get at this, but if the goal is to have less people on the ship at any given time, you know, this is that, right? You've got a smaller group. Maybe you go to duty section only um, for that day shift so that instead of having, you know, 75% of the crew, you're down to 20% of the time. Um Somebody out there is thinking, well, you could only do that on a cruiser because of the, the manning. Um, however, Brad put together a template. He actually did it as a destroyer CEO. Um, so there's a template for six section for a destroyer. So all you would have to do is literally rearrange the sections that you're in. Um, two of, one of them goes to swings, one goes to mids, and the other four rotate uh, on days. So right there, you split the crew into eight sections, and uh, you've only got one-eighth of the crew, which would make it much easier to meet social distancing requirements uh, most of the time. You know, some other things just to think about is, uh, uh, you know, now you've got planned maintenance and things like that going on around the clock. People are not as tired, so their immune system is better. I'm just talking about, let's say I'm a ship that's in port right now today. I could just shift to this, and I think a lot of these uh, a lot of these benefits would be, would be there. Um, now, some ships, I understand, have gone to some other creative solutions. Like uh, one of my friends says his ship is in six sections. Uh, they spend three days on the ship as a, as a duty section and then 15 days off the ship. And then each section has their three-day time in the barrel. 
Um, and then they, uh, they're off the ship literally for 14 days and they're doing training via Microsoft Teams like we're doing. And so there's a lot of innovation out there, I think, already. Uh, you know, it, if I were out there, I would be rethinking kind of, uh, you know, the uh, uh, what's a risk evaluation for the day-to-day thing, whether it be um, morning quarters, zone inspection, spot checks. Um, you know, can I do things by, uh, by site TV? Can I have everyone log on to a net? Um, you know, there's guidance out there. I think that the, you know, the VCNO put out a really good uh, message about, uh, you know, don't do unnecessary meetings. Um, uh, you know, we still have to do training. We still have to keep ships out there uh, to certify and deploy. Um, but uh, but just, you know, maybe extend meal hours so that you don't have someone in every seat. You have someone in every other seat. You know, those are just uh, I kind of put my thinking cap on. How would I deal with this if I had to? And I can't claim that I would do any better than anybody else. But, uh, you know, it's sort of just applying uh, old ideas in a new way. Um, I was watching a DOD press conference and the spokesperson was asked, what are they going to do about test kits? And her answer was, we expect service members to self-diagnose and then when they have the symptoms to do social distance and the other best practices. And I was thinking, that absolutely doesn't work in birthing. And it seemed really tone deaf. You know, you see all these old graphs and studies, but... Uh... Um, most of them have assumptions that, I'm, that maybe should not be applied to ships. And so uh, that might be worth running a separate analysis of what would that look like in a shipboard environment. I mean, I, I'm reminded of a time on, a, on one of my ships when uh, I had command twice, Oscar Rawson and San Jacinto. And at one point, I, I told my strike group commander, I want to take the radar down for four hours to do peak plan maintenance. And he goes, no, it has to be up 24-7. Um, and I said, well, if I don't take it down for a little bit, it'll take itself down. And so, you know, maybe that's something to look ahead. You know, what are the, does the risk trade-off change two weeks from now? Um, you know, look six to 12 weeks out, you know, um, what's it look like on the other side or is there another side or is this going to be the new normal? You know, I think some of the tenets of this process, uh, and, and I'm still trying to think through what else, you know, but, uh, you know, the, the productivity of the people uh, going home every night, um, not being fatigued and thus improving your immune system. You know, uh, I can't say that somebody else is going to try it, and I can't say it'll work, but, uh, you know, some of the ideas might. I think, you know, the main thing is, is communicate, ask questions, share share ideas. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like one of my bosses told me one time, he said, you know, your leadership style got you where you are. Now's a bad time to change it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, the other one was uh, often in times of crisis, uh, we tend to look up for answers. Uh, instead of looking down and asking questions. And so uh, that's what my one of my uh, master chiefs told me. Yeah, again, if you put your leadership hat on, you imagine yourself in command and dealing with not just the immediate circumstance of what's going on with the crew, but people rolling out of the command for orders, training schools, this bow wave, this train wreck, however you want to label it. You had a lot of different tours, a very... Uh, renaissance sort of uh with a bias towards operational commands but what comes to your mind in terms of what maybe the navy is going to have to deal with that maybe isn't top of mind i guess the first thing i would i would think of is uh uh you know the navy has a tremendous muscle memory um sometimes we assume at each at each schoolhouse that uh everybody that walks in that door has to start from scratch um, and, uh, and maybe has forgotten everything while they were on shore duty. But, uh, you know, I, I ran fire drills for 30 years on a ship. I think if I went a month without running one, uh, I'd be rusty the first time. I'd probably be okay the second time. 
Um, so maybe it's not as bad as we think. Um, and, uh, but, but, uh, you know, I'm kind of reminded of a, a news story I saw where uh, they, they put a helicopter above I-5 in, in California during rush hour, and they, 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 they purposely stopped a car in the middle of the road for, for one minute. Um, and then they started the car and drove it on. Uh, and then six hours later, you could still see where that car had been. And so, uh, you know, I, I think uh, we just don't know. Um, and uh, But I think it's probably, uh, I know a lot of smart people, uh, I had the article that you all published the other day, um, and uh, you know the people running the show are all our friends and colleagues of mine. Um, that at some point or another, uh, literally, I've trusted them with my life, and uh, and so uh, I think we have to look back, and we may gripe about some decision they make or some question they ask, um, but uh, you know it's the right folks, and uh, and you know they've had command, and uh, you know sometimes you got to sit back. I mean, I, I, I clearly. When, I, when people ask me the difference between uh, my 05 and 06 command, uh, my o, I tell them I learned to say no. Uh, I learned to tell my boss that, hey, that's not a good idea. I don't feel comfortable with that. When I didn't do that in 05 command, uh, I sucked it up and said, let's 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 slog through it. And I'm not, I'm not going to ask that question because my boss might think less of me. And uh, But it took me a while to get there. Uh, just because you, you step aboard the ship as the CEO doesn't mean you know everything yet. And uh, and so they're going to be all people are going to be looking for uh, different levels of leadership and different levels of guidance. And uh, at some point, you got to say, hey, this is I think this is the right thing to do. And I'm going to do it. And I'm going to tell my boss that I did it. And, uh, you know, hopefully your boss has given you a box to operate in uh, and you stay in that box. And, and, he, and he or she doesn't care whether you're in the far left or the far right side of the box. Um, but that's where these day to day decisions about, you know, are you going to do a zone inspection today? Are you going to do a spot check today? Uh, are you going to, uh, you know, I think most people are doing cleaning stations. I saw a note from Mick Pond that I thought was pretty funny. Probably the most popular activity now. Um, but it's all <laughs> about communication. Um, but uh, but this, this, you know, that's the thing that, you know, this whole Navy thing is built on trust. And uh, and so we put folks in command because we trusted them. And uh, all the way up to the CNO and, and all the way down to the, you know, guy out there, a gal out there on a PC. Yeah, I think, you know, the Navy is definitely equipped to do this, but I think every day you got to wake up and say, what have I not thought of? Um, not just for now, but for six weeks from now, for 12 weeks from now. And uh, I think I see massive evidence of people doing that. I was asked, what are the unintended consequences in terms of aircrew qualifications when TR pulls pier side? I put on my OPSO hat and I was thinking about, okay, so night quals and FCLPs and so forth and so on. I know that the air wings stayed aboard the ship. They did not fly off uh, before they went pierside in Guam. So as we're talking about, the fleet is a million little details, right? And, and good COs know how to trust their people. I think that's a perfect way to frame it, as you've just done. But I think the the, the general public and, and our listenership who may not be uh, – that experience in these matters needs to appreciate that this is a million little details associated with this that are going to maintain readiness. And these decisions are being made on a constant basis right now. That's a great point. I'll I, I just point out, so John, you were mentioning the piece that you, you wrote on the blog earlier this week that was titled the Navy versus COVID-19, not even a fair fight. And in the last paragraph, a lot of people read that and uh, we had some nice comments about it. One of the one of the quotes you had at the end is, "I'm reminded of that day in September 2001. A friend of mine who was in command of the ship at the time 
got his ship underway for Norfolk without orders and headed towards, towards New York City. By the time he arrived on station, he had orders to go there at best speed, and he reported himself on station. That's the kind of leadership we need now, and I believe the Navy has it. So that's just a great example of understanding commander's intent, understanding what you need to get done, and, and you know, leaning forward and getting it done. No, absolutely. And uh, I think we're seeing examples about that every day. Some of them make the press and some of them probably don't. But uh, that's where I think uh, knowing your crew, listening to your crew, and uh, and then passing the information up and down is, is what's going to carry us through this. John Cordell, 2018 Naval Institute Proceedings Author of the Year. Great, as always, to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. All right, well, that wraps up another episode of the Proceedings Podcast. We will be back again next week with a couple new episodes. Until then, remember, victory begins at the Naval Institute. This episode of the Proceedings Podcast is brought to you by GE Additive. Additive manufacturing, also known as 3D printing, is a transformative approach to industrial metal production that could help address material shortages due to diminishing manufacturing supply. GE Additive provides machines, metal powders, engineering, and print services that can support the Navy with spare part printing capability and a more flexible spare parts supply base. 